Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. I want to back up and read verse number 8 again as verse number 8 will be used as the key text of my message this morning. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach on this thought, God's muscle for missions. But ye shall receive, somebody say that next word for me, power. It's this power I felt impressed of the Lord to consider for just a few moments this morning. And friend, if there's ever been a day that this preacher needs this power. It's in this day, in this hour in which we're living. And I assure you, child of God, whether you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, you need this power as well. God's muscle for missions. Let's bow our heads, shall we? For a moment of prayer. Father, you've already been so good to us today. I want to thank you for the wonderful, wonderful preaching from Brother Kirkman and Brother Sasser and how my heart has already been stirred today. I feel amongst friends today. I'm so thankful that it's that way. Lord, we need each other in these last of the last days. But even more than we need each other, we need this power you speak of here in our key text this morning. So I pray you cleanse me of sin and self and for the next few moments fill me with this power. Make a preacher out of me. Touch me physically, mentally and spiritually and I'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. The book of Acts, of course, has often been referred to as the history book of the early church. We not only read of the organization of the early church, we not only read of the opposition and the oppression of the early church in the book of Acts, but we read of God's orders to the early church as well. 
In fact, we see those orders being conveyed to the Lord's disciples from Jesus himself here in our key text this morning, shortly before he ascended back to glory. I've always found it interesting, Dr. Gravely, that the orders Jesus conveys to his disciples here in the text were actually delivered in direct response to a question his disciples had asked in the preceding portion of Scripture. If you'll notice again, according to verse 6 of this chapter, the disciples ask the Savior, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Of course, the disciples were talking about the literal kingdom. Those Jews were convinced their Messiah would establish immediately upon his appearance here on the earth. Christ's response to them actually begins in verse number 7. Look at it with me. Jesus says to these disciples, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. (laughs) Jesus certainly didn't beat around the bush in his response, did he? Absolutely not. As you and I consider Christ's response, surely you would agree with me when I say it's almost as if these disciples were preoccupied with lesser things. Do you see what the Savior is trying to do? Here in the text, Jesus is trying to conduct the first missions conference and his disciples want to turn the first missions conference into a prophecy conference. And in doing so, they were making the same mistake that so many of God's people are making this very day. They were missing the forest for the trees. They had been distracted from keeping the main thing, the main thing. The disciples wanted to know if the time had come for the Lord Jesus to establish the literal kingdom here on the earth. However, Jesus informs his disciples the times and seasons should not be their major or their first concerns. Those things were in the hands of the Father. However, beginning with verse number 8 of this chapter, Jesus begins to inform them what they should be concerned about. Jesus tells them, according to our key text this morning, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Rest assured this morning, ladies and gentlemen, having heard the words of our Savior ourselves, after all these years, the main thing is to continue to keep the main thing the main thing. In fact, Jesus not only enlightened his disciples to that end, but he promised to empower them to that end as well. I submit to you here in Acts chapter number one and verse number eight, we not only have a mandate from heaven, we not only have a message to preach, but thank God we have been given and promised some spiritual muscle with which to preach it with. Do you see the muscle in the text? But ye shall receive power. 
after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm preaching this morning on the thought, God's muscle for missions. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8 has often been referred to as the index to the entire book of Acts. It has been identified as such because the text reveals God's master plan for reaching a lost and dying world with the gospel. However, I believe it's vitally important for each of us to note as we consider God's master plan, God's master plan doesn't start with places. Now, please don't misunderstand. God mentions places. Jerusalem. Judea or Samaria and unto where? The uttermost parts of the earth. So God does mention places, but God doesn't mention places first. God mentions people. Not only places, but he mentions people. But who? Ye. God is interested in empowering each and every one of us to make us witnesses to a lost and dying world. Can I say something this morning that I think it would do all of us who have been saved five minutes or 50 years good to know? There is someone that only you can reach with the gospel. Ye need what I'm preaching about this morning. I need what I'm preaching about this morning. It isn't that God doesn't mention people. He does mention people right along with mentioning places, but he doesn't mention people and he doesn't mention places first. No, he first speaks of power. Before you ever read about places, before you ever read about people, you read about power. But ye shall receive power. This is the spiritual muscle that is needed in this day and hour, power. Here is an observation that can and should be made from the text before us. Before the disciples preached, Jesus knew they needed this power. Hear me this morning, preacher, preacher, without this power would have resulted in vain repetition. Praying without this power would have been in vain. No, these disciples needed then what both you and I need and in fact must have today if we are going to be the preacher, the soul winner, the church planner that God would have us to be and that is the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Hear me today, if our message is to have eternal value, if our methods are to be successful in the eyes of God, and certainly if our mindset for ministry is to ever be what God intends for it to be, we must have help from outside of our own selves. 
Hear me, church. It's not our power that will make an eternal difference in the lives of mortal men. It's God's power. It is the power of the Holy Ghost of God. That's the power. That's the muscle that is needed for this hour. Let me remind you, these people we read about in Acts chapter number 2, we read about those people being promised the Holy Spirit of God. And when, when the Spirit would come, He would fill them with His power. And when that power was manifested on the day of Pentecost, those terrified disciples who had been locked away in shuddering fear of the Jews became bold preachers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was it, you may ask, that made the difference? Well, let me tell you what it was. It was God's muscle for missions. It was God's power. It was the power of the Holy Ghost ghost of God. You study about the ministry of the apostle Peter. Up until Pentecost, Peter's preaching had been, results from Peter's preaching had been sparse to say the least. <laughs> but when he stood to preach on the day of Pentecost, boy, there's something different about Peter on that day. You remember the story he preached with the power of the Holy Spirit upon his preaching. After he finished preaching, having been filled with the Holy Ghost of God, Acts chapter two and verse 41 teaches us that 3,000 souls were saved by the good grace of God. In fact, when you study Acts chapter two, the 3,000 that were saved, that was only a small portion of the mighty miracles that ultimately came to pass as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I like verse number 46 of that chapter where the Bible says, says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Brother, anytime that many of God's youngins can continue in one accord for any length of time at all, it's no wonder, it's no wonder, verse 47 says, that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What a mighty miracle. 3,000 souls being saved and then you actually got people getting along. They're not making videos about one another. They're not sending evil texts. Isn't that amazing? And God is adding to the church daily such as should be saved. What makes the difference? I'll tell you what it is. It's God's muscle for missions. It's the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Let me remind you, Ephesians chapter number five and verse 18 declares, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm afraid, Brother Kirkman, when it comes to world evangelism, we often speak of places as well we should. We often speak of people as well we should. But some way or another, we never get around to focusing on the need for power. 
Listen, I'm all for Bible college. I crammed about seven years into 13 myself. I'm all for Bible college. But if you young men think that just attending Bible college in and of itself is all that you need to keep you preaching the gospel, you won't last long preaching the gospel. You need more than what your Bible instructor can give you. Get along with God. Get in the prayer closet. Lock yourself away with Jesus. Jesus and beg God Almighty for power. Let me remind you that being filled with the Holy Ghost of God isn't a suggestion to be ignored. It is a command to be obeyed. I often refer to it, Brother Saunders, as a forgotten command of the Bible. Oh yes, I do realize that most of the Holy Spirit's dealings with believers are once and for all sovereign acts of God. I understand that. The initial indwelling of the Spirit, the moment God saves us, the baptism, the sealing, the earnest of the Spirit, hear me, they are in no way dependent upon me. They are wrought in us, child of God, by the Holy Spirit at the moment of our conversion. They are both irreversible and they are irrevocable. Praise God. But I want to tell you the feeling of the Holy Ghost of God is is different. There may be one indwelling of the Spirit, but there are many fillings of the Spirit in the lives of God's children. And one of the Reasons I know that is because when God saved my soul, he never saved one ounce of my flesh. And the same flesh that yields to God today may be the same flesh that rejects God tomorrow. That's why every day you better find you a place and get along with God. Brother Luke, yesterday I I was preaching last Sunday through Wednesday at one of my supporting churches, the Westside Baptist Church in Jackson, Georgia. Brother Nathan Dorsey is the pastor there and we had a wonderful missions conference there and I preached with a different missionary every night, twice on Sunday. It was just wonderful. We're in good services all week long. And of course, that pumped me up. I was fired up and ready to go to the service last night. And Cassie had some errands to run, so she left the room from where we were staying. And I was able to spend some quality time just me and the Lord. And man, by the time I preached last night, preacher, you know what that's like. You just can't wait to get in the pulpit. I, I, there's nothing like that. I mean, just, oh, I just can't wait. Now, it's not always that way, but it was that way last night. 
And boy, I had a message to preach. I was so fired up about the message God had laid on my heart. And I went to church last night and I preached that message. And boy, we had a wonderful, wonderful service. It was a great time. And then Cassie and I got in our car to travel to Rossville because we knew we were going to be here tomorrow. And I was still fired up. Hallelujah. Man, I met with God that day full of the Holy Ghost of God. Is up. Boy, I tell you, it's a difference when you preach full of the Holy Ghost and when you don't. Say, well, preacher, how do you know? Because honestly, I've done both. I'd much rather preach with him than without him. You know what I've learned? As long as you think you can do it without Jesus, (laughs) he'll let you try. But boys, I stood and preached last night. Man, you knew God was in. I was so fired up. And man, I got in that minivan and we started north up 75. I said, hallelujah. I get to go preach at Bible Baptist Church tomorrow morning. It's missions, jubilee, camp meeting time. And boy, I was so excited. The trip was supposed to last two hours. Four and a half hours later. Don't you love living in Atlanta, Georgia? I would try to make conversation with Cassie. I could hear her response as I tried to make conversation, which wasn't often, but when I did speak, it was more like, (sighs) (sighs) Fellas, when your wife responds by going, (sighs) (sighs) things are not good. I mean, on one occasion, there were four lanes of traffic and I'm in lane number two. And it makes no difference what lane I'm in, all the other lanes. But my lane, then I think, well, I'll switch lanes. You know, as independent fundamental Baptist, the grass always looks greener on the other side. So I'd switch lanes. I'd get in another lane, and guess what? The lane I was in. On one occasion, I told Cassie, I said, I'm sitting in this second lane right here. There's an 18-wheeler right here. There's an 18-wheeler right here. There's an 18-wheeler in front of me. And I look in the back. There's an 18-wheeler in the back of me. I said, Cassie, you know, if a fella had problems with claustrophobia in a thing like this, Boy, he, he'd be in a fix, wouldn't, wouldn't he? She, <sighs> so at one o'clock this morning, when it's time to go to bed, I wasn't too full of the Holy Ghost. The same flesh that yields to him today may be the same flesh that rebels against him tomorrow. That's why every day, of, are you hearing me? You may not hear anything else I say today, but I trust to the Lord in glory you hear what I'm getting ready to say. Right along with your studies in Bible college, right along when you make your calls, missionary, to book those meetings, you best make time to get along with
with God, empty yourself of sin and self and beg God Almighty to fill you with this kind of power because if we don't have it, we don't have it. I'll say this and I'll give you just a few things directly from the text and we'll be dismissed. I've learned a lot in seven years being the director of Macedonia World Baptist Missions. I learned a lot. But can I tell you what I think the greatest lesson I've learned in seven years? It takes money to get a missionary to the field but money won't keep them there. I don't care what kind of support they got. If they have 159% of their support, that money won't keep them there. You got to have this muscle. You got to have this power. And please, please, please do not misunderstand. Please do not misunderstand. I'm Baptist born and Baptist bred. And when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. I cut my teeth on a Baptist hymnal. I'm Baptist from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. But you're listening to one Baptist preacher preach this this morning. It has to have the power of the Holy Ghost of God. I can't do it with Brother, Brother Gravely. I can't do it without him. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it. I, I'm not like some of these guys. I mean, you could give them the menu at a Kentucky Fried Chicken and they could preach three points in a poem and have 50 people flood the altar. I'm not one of those kind of guys. I've got to have power. Got to have it. Got to have it. Just a few things directly from the text. One illustration and we're through. First of all, notice the resource of this power. My, what a vast resource of power. But as we consider the resource, let's address this question, shall we? Where does this muscle generate? Does it reside in our personalities? Does it reside in our popularity? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you. All of these things I've mentioned are important and God can use each of them for ministry. But ultimately our resource for power is the Holy Spirit of God. Consider not only the resource of this power, how about the recipients of this power? God said to those disciples then, and he says to you and I today, but ye shall receive power. He longs to empower me. He longs to empower you, child of God. And by the way, I think it's important that you hear it from the preacher this morning. Yes, Dr. Gravely needs power. But I want you to know, housewife, you need power. You'll never be the mother. You'll never be the father uh, that God would have you to be unless you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The recipients of this power. 
Thirdly, the reason for this power. Why did God make this power available to his disciples? According to the text, in order to enable them to be witnesses for him. And a witness is simply someone who testifies concerning those things he or she knows to be true. There's a reason God longs to empower us with his spirit. God wants to use us to be witnesses. God wants to use us to go. God wants to use us to give. But knowingly, he can't in the power of our own flesh. At least not to the fullest extent. Oh, God fills us with this power, not so people can point us out and say, my, what a Christian, but he fills us with his power so people having seen our lives would be persuaded to decay to say, my, what a God. Then we see finally the reaching of the power. Where shall we be witnesses to? Well, the Bible says we are to be witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth. That's why God has the Kirkmans in Utah. That's why God has Brother Sasser in Baltimore. That's why God is sending this family back here to Scotland. Brother, so good to see you today. And that's why God wants to use you to reach your lost neighbor and your friend. The reaching of this power it reaches the uttermost parts of the earth. I'll close with this true story. Not true story. I don't think it's true anyway. I heard one preacher say it one time, and he might have said it was true, but I'm not going to say it's true because I don't know it's true. There was this young man. He had been raised on a farm all of his life. He had never made a trip to the big city, didn't know what the big city was like, but he had read about it. He always wanted to go there. So with his parents' permission, probably about 21 years of age, moved to the big city several hours from his house. Of course, you can imagine having never visited the big city before how mesmerized he was by the big buildings that were there and the number of people that were there. He was just overwhelmed but excited at the same time. He had saved up money working on the farm for years and he had secured a little one-bedroom apartment there, but he knew that his money would run out in about a month and so he needed a job. And so he was so mesmerized by the big skyscrapers in the city that he just picked out the biggest, tallest skyscraper that he could find. He just proceeded to walk right into the front door. When he walked in the front door of the skyscraper, there was a fellow there sitting behind a desk with a sign on the desk that said information. The young man walked up to the information and desk, introduced himself and said, uh, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Is there a personnel office around here? Can I make an application? I, I need a job. And uh, the man behind the information booth said, uh, well, you know, it's funny that you should ask. The personnel director was just up here a while ago and we just happened to make conversation about the fact that the mailroom was looking for a courier. He said, well, I would be interested in that job. 
He said, well, see that set of stairs over there? Walk through that door down one flight of stairs and you'll see the personnel office. Knock on that door and ask for, and he told the personnel director's name to the young man. And so he did. He opened the door and sure enough, the personnel director was there and he introduced himself and he said, hey, I talked to the fellow at the information desk upstairs there and he said, you might be looking for a mail carrier. And he said, oh yeah. He said, he said really, I'm in a bind. I need to hire somebody today. Are you interested in this job? He said, absolutely. He said, well, son, I really don't have time to go through a lengthy interview uh, just tell me one thing. Do you have a pretty good work ethic? Uh, are you a hard worker? He said, oh, I'm not a hard work. He said, listen, I was raised on a farm. Anything that uh, encompasses farm work, I've done it all. Listen, I've got up before sunrise every morning of my life for the last 15 years. Yes, sir, absolutely. There's nothing, there's nothing here that you could ask me to do that would be any harder than what I've already done at the farm. He said, the personnel director said, well, good, that's good to know, you're hired. Now, see that big old stack of boxes over there? That big old stack of boxes, it's got to go to floor 21 right now. Can you take care of it? He said, absolutely. So he took all those boxes up and the next day he was back and the next day he was back and the next day he was back. About Thursday in the week, the young man went down to the personnel office and he asked to see the personnel director. Personnel director came to the desk and he said, Yes, sir, son, what, what can I do to help you? He said, By the way, I, I appreciate the good job you're doing. He said, Man, I, you've been very efficient in getting all those boxes to all the different floors in the building here, and I want you to know I appreciate it. And he said, Well, sir, that's really the reason why I came. I come to resign. And the personnel director said, Resign? Man, you just got here. You've not worked but three days. Why are you resigning? He said, well, honestly, can I just tell you the truth? He said, yeah, I want you to tell me the truth. He said, I've never done anything this hard in my life. He said, I am wore out. He said, my legs ache at night. He said, I'm having a hard time sleeping because every time I shut my eyes, I picture myself walking those stairs, 21 floors walking those stairs. He said, friend, I just, I'm sorry. I thought I'd done some hard work in my lifetime, but I ain't never done work this hard. And the personnel director said, son, did you say you was raised on a farm? He said, yes, sir, raised on a farm, worked hard all my... And you've never been to the big city before? Never been to the big city. This is my first. He said, have you ever heard of an elevator? And the young man said, an alligator? No, an elevator. He said, no, sir. And after he had a good chuckle, he took that young man outside into the hall, took him up in front of this big metal door and mashed a button. When that button was mashed, the door come open. The personnel director stepped inside that metal box and pulled that young man inside it with him. Mashed 21. In just a few moments later, 
that metal door come open, the personnel director stepped outside and pulled that young man out, young man out onto the 21st floor. That young man looked around. He said, I know this place. I've been to floor 21 many, many times. Sir, do you mean to tell me all I have to do is mash that button and get inside that metal box and that metal box will do the stair climbing for me? And the personnel director laughed and said, would you like your job back? He not only took it back, but he won the employee of the month. But not until he learned the importance of relying on the strength or the power of the elevator as opposed to the power of his flesh. You want to know our problem in ministry? Now, I don't know what your problem is, preacher, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Here's my problem. Boy, I'm going to get some missionaries to the field this week. I sure am. I want to get more missionaries to the field. I want to plant more churches. Man, we need more churches around the world. If we could just get, if we could just get some help to Brother Kirkman out there, boy, wouldn't it be a blessing? Maybe old Brother Goosby would surrender to take the gospel to Africa. Wouldn't that be? Maybe I need to call Brother Goosby. Maybe I need to send him a letter and impress upon him that the Holy Ghost, Lord, have mercy that the Holy Ghost has put his hand on him and he wants him to take the gospel to Africa. And while I'm at it, let me call John Sasser. Maybe I could send somebody to Baltimore to help him. Maybe, maybe to the good Lord in high heaven I could get some sleep because I am absolutely wore out. I'm through with this. I'm done with this. I've had it. Maybe God's not as good as what I've said he was all these years. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll just stay home this Wednesday night from church. You know what I think I'll do? I'm so tired. And I ain't joking on that one. I'm so tired. You know what I'm going to do? Preacher. Now I ain't going to do it every week. But this week, I'm just going to go in for preaching and miss Sunday school because I'm just so tired, so tired. You know our problem? We run in the steps without getting in the elevator. I'm getting too old. Are you hearing me? I'm getting too old to run the steps. I can't do it. I won't last. God, give me the elevator. God, give me the muscle. God, give me the power. God, give me the ability to stand and with your touch on my life, open my mouth and you speak through me. God, give me that power. I've got to have your muscle. For missions, you've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me?
I wonder how many of God's children today would make a trip to the altar just to say to the Lord, Lord, without you, I can't do it. God, I have your touch. I appreciate your concern with places. I'm concerned about places too. I appreciate your concern about people. Oh, listen, I'm concerned about people too. But if we're going to make a difference in places, if we're going to make a difference in the lives of people, we will never do it most effectively in our own power. We've got to have God's power. God's power. God's muscle for missions.